We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How in the world? Oh, tell me the experience. You, you mentioned EYBL earlier in the Peach Jam. A lot of people might not know what that is. If you love high school basketball, go to a Peach Jam. That's that's all mm-hmm. I can tell you. Just go. I've covered it multiple times. The Compton Magic. How did that? How how did that happen? A kid from modern day. How did you end up playing for the Compton Magic? Well, playing with Compton Magic, I used to do a bunch of these little kind of like all-star camps and showcase games and all of that. And I remember my guy, I hope he's doing well. I haven't talked to him in a while. His name's Johnny Hernandez. He was kind of putting together a team for Atope, who runs Compton Magic. Shout out to Atope. Love my guy forever. But he just kind of found us in all these showcase games and says, he'd be a really good part. He'd be a really good part. He'll be a really good part. And then we just all kind of meshed together. And I remember our team, I think it was the top five in the country for two years straight. Yeah. And But that was that isn't who I went to Peace Jam with, actually. I went because we were Adidas at that time. I went okay. with Oakland Soldiers. Oh, yeah. Now that, oh, they always had a squad. Yeah. And then the reason I made that transition was kind of a business move for myself because being in, for playing for Adidas program, I wasn't going to be able to make it to all these Nike camps like the LeBron camp, the KD camp, and all of that. So I was like, in my mind, I'm like, I want to be at those camps. And the best way to position myself to being in those camps is if I play for a Nike affiliate team. And then Oakland Soldiers came knocking on the door, and then I saw that opportunity. And I have all the love in the world for Compton Magic. I still consider them family to me. But I just made a kind of a business executive move and said that this would be the best thing for me to put myself out there, have these experiences, get in front of all these coaches, in front of these players and kind of put myself out there. So that's why I ended up going to Oakland Soldiers and be able to play in Peach But back to your point about Peach Jam, man. You, you've never seen – like, if you are a basketball junkie, you love college basketball, you want to see all your favorite college basketball coaches, go to Peach Jam. I remember I had Calipari, I had Shesky, we had Roy Williams, we had Bill Self, all at one game when we were playing against people. All just sitting, and it's such a tight venue too. All the coaches are lined up against the wall, right next to the court. When you're diving for the ball, you're like diving into Coach King. Oh my bad, bro. Yeah, throw that offer. But then you just everybody's just out there trying to do their best. 
and it's just the best competition. I don't know. I, I need to get back into high school basketball a little bit more because I'm interested in it to see how they're progressing and what's going on with it because I know now, especially. You know, you, you know at some point you're either going to be the head of an EYBL team and an organization or you're going to be connected to the game mm-hmm. at the high school level. It's, it's, it's all over you. It's all, mm-hmm. You have so much to give back, man. You have so much to give back. And I tell people all the time, you know, they say, like, I grew up on LaFonso Ellis and David Rivers and those guys, right? My like, that's, guys. Yeah. Those, those are my guys growing up as a kid. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I tell people all the time, from the new era, my favorite two players were you and Jordan Cornette. Like those, like those That's are my, my guys. Too. Like Appreciate yo, that. I love Bonzi. I love Matt, Jerry. Like all the guys that would score. But I'm like, I played basketball on the high school level, and I understood I was a glue guy. Mm-hmm. I was a glue guy. I ran the point, and I did everything that needed to be done. All the dirty stuff that you don't see all the time coming through as far as stats but it leads to wins. So mm-hmm. anytime I watch a basketball game, anytime I watch high school kids, I'm always drawn to that kid. You know what I mean? I'm not drawn to the kid that's putting up 35, 
and everybody knows he's the best player on the court. I'm watching this kid that nobody else is paying attention to that has rook, that has knee burns because he's been flying across the floor, sliding across the floor. He has two or three blocks. He saved the ball and created a fast break for his team a couple of times. Like those are the special things that I watched. And that's why I was drawn to a guy like you. Even though I was listening to it, being painted via radio, I fell in love with Rex Fluger and his game. You know, I appreciate so you, definitely, that, you definitely have so much to give because you know how to play the game. And mm -hmm. that's what I want for the younger generation. I want them to know how to play the game. It's easy to watch mm -hmm. Steph Curry and to want to pull up from 35, but learn how to play the game. And I promise you, you can always get to that. Just learn the game. Learn the game. No, I, I completely uh, – first of all, thank you so much for that. That means a lot. LaFonzo developed a relationship with at my time at Notre Dame, and then Jordan Cornette's a close friend of mine as well now. Yeah. But when you talk about the dirty work too, it's like – it's not only the physical pain that you go through, but it's also the mental, especially being at the higher level where maybe you're not dropping 20 and nine like these other guys or you're not getting all the limelight that everyone yeah. thinks you should be getting because you came out as a highly touted group. Right. But I remember, but the throw, I just want to go back to this one story about how I actually began playing in the games. Cause I wasn't playing in the beginning as a freshman, but coming out of modern day, I've always started on every team I've ever been in or been on, regardless of what team it was. Like for some reason I was always on a team and I believe it was because of my competitive fight and the will to win. Right. I think I was a pretty good player as well, but I think that's what kind of separated me from other people. But I remember my freshman year, we lost in the uh, Orlando tournament, the Old Spice Classic, and we lost to Monmouth. And I didn't play another minute in that game. Like, didn't play in that next game. We played against Iowa. Didn't play a minute in that. Lost that too. After that, I was so flustered. And I bet a lot of college kids can feel the same pain where it's like when you're not playing, even as a hard-headed freshman, you think, and I want to transfer. I want to get out of here. And I, and I talked to different, like talked to my family. I talked to some close friends. I'm like, I don't know if this is for me. I, I should be out there playing. We're losing and I'm sitting on the bench. This is not the look that I want. But then I got some great advice for some people. They said, hey, you can't run away from it. This is your decision. You do what you can. And if you can't get through that after actually genuinely trying, then we can kind of look at other options. So after that tournament, I went to the Coach Bray's office. I asked for a meeting, and I said, Coach, I wanted to have this meeting to get straight up. If I played in that game, we would have won because that little guy in Monmouth, like, who got 30 on us, he wasn't going to get 30. I, I can guarantee you that. I would have locked him up. I promise you that. And I had that little conversation with him. I felt good about myself as a man, but realistically, I'm leaving. I'm like, did I just get myself cut from the team? Or <laughs> I just, as a freshman who's not playing, goes to Coach right. Ray after coming off an Elite Eight season, and I'm telling him, hey, you need to play me. And I go in there, and then all of a sudden, coming up, we're in league play, and we're playing at Duke. And I remember, out of nowhere, like four or five minutes into the game, Coach at Duke and Coach Ray's like, Rex, get in the game. I'm like, let's, let's fucking go. Like, it's showtime. I'm like, I, was, I remember that moment. I was always ready. I was already going to the game. And I'm I'm proud to say that that was the only win that we actually well not proud but happy that we got the win that day and I was able to play like 20, 20 something minutes in that game got a few buckets too 
And it was just such a special moment for me because obviously winning in Cameron special, but that the fact that I manifested it by putting myself in an uncomfortable situation is what led to this moment, this outcome. So obviously it wasn't all me. Bonzi Colson had 30 and 10, you know, I think Steve yeah. had, Steve Asturi had 30. It wasn't all me, but I did play a part. And that's because I put myself in that position to be able to not confront, but talk to my coach, give him my two cents, tell him this is what could happen. He listened to me, respected me for that decision and put me in that game to be able to, and be able to get that outcome. So it's like, if there's any, anyone out here listening to, if you think you're better at something or you believe that you deserve better, man, and you have the will, the right, and then also the history to prove it, man, go out there and do it, man. Say what you feel because the only, only person holding back, holding you back is yourself. Absolutely. With all of that being said, I don't like the term when people say, you know, I refer to myself as a glue guy, but I didn't particularly like the, the term because I felt like I was a pretty darn good basketball player. Exactly. And I said that to lead to this fourth on the all time Notre Dame scoring list. Number one, all time leader in assists. You're not a glue guy, my man. You were a darn good basketball player at the University of Notre Dame. Just when you think about that and you hear those things, those accolades, and you look back on everything you had to go through physically and mentally, do you take a step back and say, damn, what comes after that? I think when I think about certain accolades, I would say the, the the one that matters the most to me in everything is that I, I'm pretty sure this is true, but I think I have the record for all times game played for Notre Dame, which is by far my favorite. And bringing up your previous point about how I played through these injuries, how I played for my team and all of that. And to be able to have that kind of stable to me, because regardless if my winning percentage wasn't the best during my career in there, the fact that I was able to put myself out there and give give it my all every single game, regardless of how my body was feeling, and to be able to say that I put on that jersey during game time more than anyone else, man, it just hits me different in certain places where it's like, I don't care if no one knows that, I don't care if everyone knows that, because in my mind, that's the only thing that matters is that I know that I did that, and there's, there's the games to prove it. Here's the question I've been waiting to get to. Have you ever physically heard the Jack Nolan got it on the court. Have you ever heard it as it while you were playing? Maybe uh, on the road. I'm trying to think of it. I've, I've made him do it for me before because I actually have when I tore my ACL my senior season, I was co-hosting the Mike Bray radio show in South Bend with him and Coach Bray. Okay. And I remember I mean, Jack and I developed a great relationship. Still much love for him. Hope, hopefully he's enjoying retirement too much. I bet he's just, he's probably out there somewhere playing golf and probably makes a two foot putt and yells, got it just for old time's sake. He actually, I hope he, knows that. he actually did a couple of games this year. Did he really? Oh, he must yeah. have. He, yeah, yeah, he misses it too much, man. He can't, <laughs> he can't stay away. Come on. We know Jack. But I, I, to answer your question, I don't think I actually ever heard him during a game say that. Mm -hmm. but the amount of times I've watched highlights, replays of games that we've been in and just hearing that iconic, got it. And then it's just, everybody's just going it's so crazy. Classic. 
it's so classy. And I love that he has it for him and he does, uh, he's just an overall, as you know, such an amazing human being as well. Hopefully he's doing well. And I wish I was able to get back for when he was doing one of those games. Maybe I'll have to put that on my list or on my calendar for next year. Yeah, I forgot. He, he subbed in for a couple of games. Mm-hmm. Um, it was maybe a couple. I know he definitely did radio for the Boston College game at home. And I forget what the previous game before that was. But he did the radio call. Uh, I think someone was sick and wasn't able to go. And it's always great to have a legend like that right down the road to call in like, mm-hmm. hey, you mind calling a game? And I'm sure he was much obliged to do it. I, I just he asked. He does that in his house. Yeah. I was. I, was I, just, I always wondered, like, I wonder if, like, the guys were, like, getting ready to check in and they were standing at the scorer's table and somebody hit a three. Like, I wonder if they ever got a chance to, like, hear it, like, without, like, hearing it, like, on a replay, that they actually hear him do it while they were standing waiting there to go into the game. Or on the road where you got a crowd quiet and maybe you heard it on the court, but I knew you would never hear it at home because everybody was going crazy, mm-hmm. you know, whatever happened. I'm trying to think. I don't think so because I just remember when I, when I get on that court and that first, when the ball's thrown up on the tip ball, man, I was, I was so laser focused at every moment, whether it's in the game, doing whatever job I needed to do in the game, or if I'm on the bench and I'm trying to encourage people or I'm cheering from the bench. Or even when I walked into the scores table, I remember I'd sit down, I, I would kind of like, trying to get a comfy little stretchy spot and then I'll just be hyper-focused on the game and looking at the players and like the scouting reports. And I would just be thinking, it's just like, okay, this guy's doing really well going to the left right now. I'm take that away. Got to force him going back. Right. He's uncomfortable, but then he wants to pull up. So then that's when I would like, so when it comes to listening for those outside factors, I really just kind of blacked it out. The only time I really heard fan interactions is when they were saying mean stuff to me. <laughs> Because they would they would look look me in the eyes like into my soul. Yeah. And I remember, I remember at the UCLA game, I think I hit a three like at the, at the end of the game. I remember turning the crowd. We about to obviously lost, but I remember looking at the crowd and one of these guys, this courtside, looks at me, has a drink in his hand. Am I allowed to say bad words on this podcast or no? Yeah, of course. Okay, guys, guys on the courtside, he has a beer in his hand. He looks at me. He's just like, fuck you, Fluger. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, I'm like a Cali kid, right? You know, right, like, right. I'm one of you. <laughs> but I remember hearing that. But then I've heard so many other things that are just they're, they're all they're all funny, you know. I know people get in the heat of games and whatnot, what's going on yeah. in there. But I never really heard everything else. But I always heard when somebody really felt it in their soul that they needed yeah. to tell me something that was wrong about me. I, so I'll be like, huh? But that would just be motivation, though. What's so I never looked at as a, huh? What's the one road venue that you always will remember, whether it's in the ACC or just like maybe just that game at UCLA? Oh, uh, gosh, it has to be Duke. Just because I felt like I had a relationship with the crazies. <laughs> I, can see, I can see that. It was weird. Like, they didn't dislike me. Right. It, it was like a weird thought. Like before games, when we do our stretching, they would all be filled up in the in the stands before the game when we're doing our stretches. They would always follow me. They would always when I would do my thing, they would just like yeah. be staring at me, just copying me what I'm doing. I'm like, okay. I remember this one time. Uh, this, 
I think this, I don't know how publicized this story is, but this one of the girls in the stands actually gave me her number before the game. Are you serious? Uh, dude, yeah. And then I didn't think anybody saw or remembered that fact. And then on, I think my senior year when I was playing there, they had like, they have these sheets that these crazies have for like one player where like, we're going to go after that person today. Yeah. And, I, and I, like, I forgot about it by then. But my, my dad and brother went to the game and they got one of those sheets. And on the sheets, it actually told the story about her giving me the phone number. And I'm like, these, these crazies are really crazy. Like, how do you remember this? This was like two years ago. I don't know when this happened, but they are such a tight knit group of fans. And then it's just, it's just ridiculous. Like I've had, I have a few other stories about them, but I won't get into it, but we just had this weird relationship. So that was kind of one of the places that I, I enjoyed, but also kind of feared playing out of that makes sense. <laughs> Yo, we talked about it Monday. We talked about it on Monday's show. For some weird reason, I got so much joy watching North Carolina spoil everything on Saturday. I got so don't much get, joy out of that. Don't get, don't get me started. I, I, know, I, know, I know I'm probably petty, but I got so – I wanted to give Hubert Davis We're all petty. We're all petty. I loved it. I think everyone that was watching it kind of loved it. Like, obviously, hey, Coach K, one of the best coaches of all time. Yeah. You know, he can hang his hat on so many different things for all the successes that he's had from his national championships to his gold medals. But man, you gotta you like, come on, coach. It's pretty funny, yeah. You know? <laughs> it was absolutely. It's like ESPN had to cancel all post game production, oh. all of the one shining moment type things that they were gonna play for Coach K. Coach K comes out, rips his players, says it's unacceptable. It's supposed to be a nice speech, and all of a sudden, shut up. Yes, right. He tells no, shut up. Be quiet. <laughs> right. You know he was glaring down those rats. He, he oh, was looking man. at me like, like are, you, are you serious right now? You didn't, you're not helping us right now? <laughs> I would have loved to be a college kid in Chapel Hill that night. Oh, the parties were probably incredible. Must have had a blast that night. Oh, oh man. So we got a question yeah. for you, a couple of questions from the fans. Truman Dumel says, is there a Notre Dame football player who could have played in the NBA and a Notre Dame basketball player who could have played in the NFL? Yes. Wow. But to be more specific, a uh, buddy of mine, Chase Claypool, was a hell of a basketball player. And I believe that if he gave the time and effort to play in the game, I think he could have done made some strides playing in the NBA. Currently, wide receiver for the Steelers, so not too bad of a path, you know. But I could see him if he put in the work, he would have had the opportunity to do so. And hey, even Big Q, man, if he if he was like a few inches taller, he could have been a jokage. Because I don't know if you've ever seen his basketball film before, but he moves very well. And if there's one person I don't want to get hit by a screen by, it's Quentin Nelson. It's Quentin Nelson. So, but for I was going to say for basketball to go to football, uh, I got to put in Demetrius Jackson because that is one of the most athletic, you know, strongest human beings I think I've ever seen. Yeah. He's six foot. He looks like he's six foot Barry Sanders almost. And I feel like he could have done amazing things. But then I'm going to be a little selfish too because I feel like I could have had an opportunity as well. 
Okay. Because even though I stopped playing football when I got to high school, because I had to make a decision, because that's just how California schools are nowadays, especially at the big schools, they try to make you choose. But I feel like football was my original passion. I'm actually going to go play in the seven-on-seven thing this Saturday as Sweet. a wide receiver. Okay. Is that the position you, you would have wanted to play? I was quarterback for a while, but then I, and I enjoyed it. But then I realized I was like, I feel like I'm a wide receiver. I feel like if you throw that ball up there, I'm going to go get it. Yeah. Just have that ball sticks in my hands. So I really enjoyed playing wide receiver for a lot of different reasons. But it's something about football, man. I know I'm a basketball player, but I still have a lot of my heart in football. I watch it all the time, college football, NFL, all of that, man. It's one of the best games ever created. And sometimes you got it. Sometimes you think, what if? But then I just cancel those thoughts out as well because I'm like, I made a great decision. Everything's working out. Obviously, there's ups and downs and regardless of what decisions you make. But you made that decision. You stuck with it. Be proud of that fact and don't try to dwell on the negatives. Man, look, Irish Players Club has become a topic of discussion because a lot of Notre Dame fans were wondering about NIL and how it was going to play out at a place like Notre Dame. And Jack Swarbrick has been very transparent in saying, Notre Dame, we're going to let this play out and see how everything goes before we really react and do anything. And then the Notre Dame football team, along with Mikasaw, former Notre Dame player, as a co-founder and creator, they find the Irish Players Club. Uh, I bought two NFTs. I support it. Just Those like are my Sam. guys. Yeah, and I'm going to buy some more. Do you think eventually the basketball program can be brought into that, what they've established with the football team? I definitely think so, especially if the longevity of NFTs are work, we're going to keep progressing in the way that they are. I think it's about building a brand and building a brand. That's what's going to be important, too, especially for a lot of these universities is starting to understand that, yeah, you're a college basketball team. Yeah, these kids are going to classes, but these kids are businesses now. They have the opportunity to put themselves in positions to make money for themselves. That Maybe professional basketball isn't the next step. But then they can start understanding the process of how to make money. What do you need to do day to day to day type of stuff? And I yeah. hope that we're getting the correct counseling at Notre Dame to help lead these people. Shout out to Brandon Wimbush, who you're having tomorrow on. He's doing great things in that space. Great. And yeah. it's and it's so important because when I think about it, because now I'm working as an acquisitions analyst for a real estate investment firm. And so I'm starting to understand all the intricacies of the corporate life and how to maneuver through certain things, the day-to-day efforts that you have to put in. But as a college kid, you're not really exposed to that. The work ethic is there, though. But how do you change that mindset into, okay, how do I start to actually monetize what I'm doing? And what are the different avenues? What are the different paths? And it's great. Well, it's amazing. And it helps a lot if you have somebody to help guide you through that process, tell you no on certain decisions. Because as a high school and college basketball player, most of your life, if you're one of the top players in the country growing up, you're not getting no said to you a lot. 
Yeah. And it's important for people to tell you, like, hey, maybe I want to go out and try this venture. And then you have somebody say, no, that's wrong. You know why? X, Y, Z. Doesn't make sense. You're not going to make that much money. You're going to be wasting your time. You're going to be doing other efforts. And that's what we need to have in this space when it comes to that. So I'm not just saying this for just Notre Dame, but I think all colleges should have this in place where they're having the counseling group. That's what Mogul, I think, is trying to do. But it's important for that. But definitely, I think basketball, especially if we're starting to elevate our game this way, we're starting to get these high-end recruits. We're getting back into that kind of stance where people talk about us every year being an NCAA tournament, that we can definitely join that club. Yeah, we got another question from one of our listeners. Tay Washburn said, how hard was it to play basketball with fo football in your heart at Notre Dame? That's a darn that's good a, question. That's a deep question. I like it. Yeah. Um, it's Because when I was younger, one of my football coaches, I always remember this. He, he, when I quit football, he was my coach, Kevin Murphy. He coached me from second grade to eighth grade. I remember him saying, mm -hmm. he's like, Rex, please don't. Don't quit football, man. I've always dreamed of watching you catching touchdowns at Notre Dame and jumping over the wall to the fans and just celebrating with them. I've always imagined that. I'm like, I'm sorry, coach, but I'm going with basketball. And then to go play basketball at Notre Dame instead of football. And I remember going up to him after I committed, I was like, hey, coach, I know I'm not playing football at Notre Dame, but does basketball count? <laughs> and uh, watching those guys out there and developing a lot of relationships with the football players, yeah. being close with them, it was more so that, yeah, I wish I was out there and playing uh, just because it's in my heart and I feel like I could be out there. I, like, I know I can be out there and that type of thing. But watching them, watching them have their success, doing amazing things, representing the university super well, that it wasn't hard at all, to be honest. Dude, I have dreams about maybe thinking about hey maybe i could be a dual sport athlete yes but then i understood that i got to make sure i have my position on the basketball team but you know you know but i don't want yes football's in the past all of that and everything but now i find different ways to enjoy it by watching it analyzing it talking talking about it and hanging out with really cool people to understand understand the game the same way now i'm going to give an assignment to ll nation i think your guy i think our guy malik is running because he, he he didn't want me to ask this question. You know, Malik and all of the former football players that were there at the same time you were there, they only have one thing they talk trash about till this day, Rex. And that's know. basketball. All of, all of them swear they were the best player on the football team. All of them. <laughs> all of them. They all say and, that. And I'll say this. But there has been one name that has been universal from every player that shocks me, that they all say, yeah, that dude, he was good. And it was Mike McGlinchey. They all Ooh. say Big Mike. McGlinchey was? I didn't know McGlinchey had an offer to play basketball at BC. Damn. He had a D1 He's already impressive, but that's pretty sweet. He had an offer from BC and Penn State. To play basketball. And Penn State? Yeah. 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 He's a badass, it's, man. He's doing great things in the league right now, too, though. It was like, they were like, dude, imagine a dude 6'8, 290, that can body you, post you up, shoot, yeah. pass, drip. He could do everything. And it was nothing you could do with him. Like, you couldn't push him, you couldn't do anything. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think about how I would guard him. I was just like, hopefully trip him or pull the chair or something. But if he if he wants to back you down, he's gonna back you down. Now, Malik and the guys claim that they took on the basketball team a couple of times and almost beat you guys. Now, I don't know if you were part of these games, but that's the claim that's been put out there. Mm, I don't don't think – I think that might have been before I got there. Okay. But the thing that basketball players we like to do, as you know, is that we'll like to, you know, have some fun in the beginning of the game. You know, we know we obviously have the higher competitive advantage. And then everyone's playing their hearts out against, you know, whatever it's – you feel – I'm not even going to put that metaphor on there. I was going to say it's like JV playing varsity, but it's not that because they're freaking amazing athletes. But there's a certain part where basketball players are like, wait a minute, I do this. Yeah. (laughs) And so probably in that game, it was probably a great game because football players are probably amazing basketball players as well. But being right. basketball players, you're like, I do this every single day. This yeah. is my job. This is my life. I know how to win in certain scenarios. Yeah. I know that this is an important stop right here because we stop you, we stop your momentum. And then we're able to, if we get a bucket here, then you're just shattered. Certain things like that, the little things. And so that's probably what happened. I bet the football team put up a, a great battle, but then the basketball team just said, wait. Yeah, they swear. Like, man, you need to ask him. Make sure you ask Rex. He'll tell you. And I'm like, I don't think Rex is going to share the same story you guys are sharing, man. You guys are making it seem like you had them scared or something. Never scared. That's what I I thought. I'm like, no, I'm putting my money on Rex and the fellas when it comes to basketball. That's a perfect segue. Have you seen Cal Hamilton in a recent interview? He told Colin Cowherd, as you know, Cal, has some hoop skills. He's also a pretty mm-hmm. good golfer, just in case Ooh. you didn't know. Um, I think I will take him on the links, though. I will challenge him. I will actually challenge him. Ooh, we got to get out there sometimes. Oh, no doubt. Kyle Hamilton said he thinks he would take Steph Curry in a one-on-one. So this goes to he's a great athlete. He's 6'4", long, probably looks at Steph, thinks he could body him. Would you please let these football players know the precision and skill in a man like Steph Curry. Like, I know he makes it look easy, but it's not that easy. He's really, really good at the game. This is, this is how I put it in perspective for that. LeBron, KD, Giannis, maybe Kawhi. Now, I'll, I'll throw Kawhi in there. Paul George, they can't guard Steph Curry. Right. So you think you can guard Steph Curry? (laughs) Exactly. I'll say that for me, too. I think I'm an amazing defender. Yeah. And in my mind, hell yeah, I can lock up Steph Curry. But if we're being real, probably not. (laughs) Give Give me the Rex Fluger game plan. He's in the locker room getting ready to come out and defend Steph. Well, if straight up, if I'm guarding Steph, I'm not. I'm doing everything I can to not let him touch the ball, and that's a team effort too. Because the way that Steph gets open to be able to get the ball in his hands is by the amount of screens that he runs off of, and so that's a, it's a team effort. Say that I'm guarding Steph, is that I'm gonna need you to have my back. I'll be face guarding him. I'll be doing my best to stay in front, try to take away his vision from even getting the ball. But then eventually, I'm gonna get clipped on the ball or clipped on the screen. Then I'm gonna need my defender to clip him too a little bit to allow me some time to get back. 
Right. But then when it when it comes to one on one basketball, man, you kind of got to pick your poison with him. Whereas like if you want to play close up on him, he's just gonna go by you. But if you stay off, you know he's gonna shoot it. But so the best side of defense is to keep the ball out of his hands as much as possible. But if I was guarding him one on one, he really loves driving left. He can't obviously he's amazing going both ways, but he loves he's so comfortable going left and getting back to his step back jump shot that I would actually force him right. Force him to be a little uncomfortable doing a little left left foot step back to the right, if anything, but just focus on his hips. I know that he's six three, too, people forget. He's tall. Like he's still pretty tall. Like he's yeah. at, like normal human being tall maybe not nba tall but but then i just try to force him to make a tough shot because he's got kind of a lower release but it's just so tough but if i'm able to stay close enough to him and i'm uncomfortable enough that if i can even alter a little bit in his shot where it's not fluid and he has a little twitch then i know there's a good chance that it'll go off lucky lefty podcast we appreciate rex fluger for joining us tonight as always, we're featuring and brought to you by Nora Whiskey on norawhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey on norawhiskey.com.